Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning show. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thirty-two. How are you? I'm cold. <laughs> uh, warming up today to uh, fifty-six. That's pretty good news. Friday, uh, fifty-eight. We're getting there. You're trying to make it sound nice, <laughs> but it's still. You know, yesterday was fool's gold again with the uh, the sun out, but it was still forty-four degrees. Mm -hmm. I. Uh, had our first soccer practice, first youth soccer practice last night, and I moved it indoors, oh, which wow. I thought was nice. It's a good idea. Yeah, it was. So, um, but yeah, I—it's uh, the talk of the town. This weather, people are just over it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think uh, not a day goes by we don't hear somebody complaining, including me. But it will it gradually will get better. April ends Saturday, and then it's got to be nice, right? <laughs> We shall see. Before we get started, I need to walk back my student loan debt comments for the third straight day. Okay. Uh, okay, today I believe that uh, most of those should be paid back instead they of should pay back completely. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, How, your thoughts? Well, um, President Biden actually gave a strong ind strongest indication that he would cancel um, student loan debt. He had a meeting with a couple of House Democrats, and they came out of the meeting and they said, He's leaning toward it, um, at least for uh, lower and middle income borrowers. So uh -huh. in the past, he said, uh, you know, I don't believe you should, you know, go to spend, you know, $70,000 at Penn and then taxpayers have to pay it back. But yeah. he's changed his tune. Well, now that I'm thinking about it more and more, um, you know, someone has to pay that back, right? Someone's got to pay that back. Mm -hmm. If... Uh, if you went to college and you took out a loan, you knowingly took out that loan. You knowingly mm -hmm. have had a few years to not pay that, whether you've saved or not. I'm sorry. I see the, I think that there will be some type of discount or longer remittance or payment period, mm -hmm. but um, it's too much money. So. Well, we'll see. And I'm, I will not, I think that'll be my final thought on it. Okay, hopefully. <laughs> he uh, actually has until the end of summer to make any kind of decision because there's a moratorium on the debt till I think August uh, 31st. And most uh, borrowers will be eligible for a remittance of another year. So a lot of that money really won't come due until September of 23. So, um, which is, I don't like that. I don't mm. like that at all either. Well, what uh, is gonna start happening too, um, businesses starting next month are going to uh, have to begin paying back their uh, economic injury disaster loans uh, that they um, got shortly after the pandemic started. A lot of businesses uh, borrowed from the government and they had a two year uh, window where they didn't have to make payments starting next month. They now won. that one I don't think you should have to pay back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely kidding, so. NFL draft is t uh, starts tonight. Yeah, uh, okay, I, we have to ask our draft expert what's gonna happen. Oh man. I, I'm thinking we, we draft Thibodeau. Really? That's who I'm thinking. Okay, well, we shall see. Uh, the Lions have the number two pick behind the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, second year in a row, they've been number one. Yeah, who are the Jags going to take, Adam? They're taking Aiden. They're taking Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson. from Michigan. Mm -hmm. Well, he is uh, listed as the number one draft pick. Yeah. So number two is uh, Trayvon Walker. So the number two choice is... A 16-year-old just said into my ear that Walker's going to go number one. <laughs> so, and I happen to trust that guy because guy knows he knows, sports. he knows sports. Speaking of uh, sports, Sage Steele is in the uh, news today. She's suing 
ESPN and Disney. Um, they're saying they retaliated against her free speech while she was on a uh, podcast, and she was talking. Um, <laughs> they're talking about race. Steele, who is biracial, she talked about President uh, Obama on a podcast, and she was talking about, you know, because they make you choose a race on uh, the census. Mm. And she was saying, if they make me choose a race, I go both. Barack Obama chose black, and he's biracial, and I'm like, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I think it's fascinating considering his dad, his black dad was nowhere to be found and his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, you do you, I'm gonna do me. So that was just something she said on a podcast and then ESPN forced her to issue an apology mm. and um, uh, benched her and took her away for, from some uh, primetime shows. And you know, it is interesting that, you know, just on a, on a podcast, someone, uh, Sage Steele, who is biracial, talking about someone else who is biracial, and then the whole world's got a problem with that, and it's just unbelievable. So good for Sage suing uh, ESPN and Disney. There's someone at Disney whose uh, <laughs> job each week is to Check, see yeah. what can we do to get in the news this week. Yeah, how can we, uh, how can we uh, <laughs> screw with someone, exactly. Um, can you tell me what's going on in China? Well, it's a, it's a lockdown. Yeah, what's yeah. going on over there? Is there some type of different uh, pandemic than uh, we dealt with here? Or do they just not? They have a zero COVID policy, pretty much. Well, it's, it's even worse than that. Um, they are testing people on a daily basis in some parts of China, and they have to remain in their apartments. And it's people are uh, having... Uh, a lot of issue with it because mm -hmm. the way it's happening, they get tested uh, every day and, and the whole community has to have zero positive tests. They get to the end of their two week period and suddenly there's a positive test. So the two week period has to start all over again. So they've been weeks and weeks and weeks locked down in their apartment and they're tired of yeah, it. Yeah, you've got 25 million residents in Shanghai that are locked down to their homes mm -hmm. or neighborhoods. Uh, what? Yeah. Um, and their jobless claims are the highest they've been in 21, 22 months. So economic uh, disaster in China. Mm -hmm. And um, we're, you know, obviously um, we're a trade partner with China. A mm -hmm. lot of our products come from China. Uh, we've, including um, the tests, the tests, Moderna today announcing that they are seeking emergency youth authorization for, the, uh, for their vaccine for babies, uh, toddlers and young children, kids, six, is it six and under, five and under? This is the last group of people that have not had access to the vaccine. So. I wonder who works in the emergency authorization department. department. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, I wonder what the job right below that is, how you moved up into that mm. spot. So. Are you gonna get out uh, golfing this weekend? If the, weather, uh, if the weather is sunny, I might. Would you like to live on a golf course? You know, it's really never crossed my mind. Well, there's some luxurious homes on golf courses, and in Massachusetts, according to the Boston Globe, a family living near a country club in Massachusetts won $5 million, $5 million in damages after being terrorized with golf balls that obliterated the side of their house. Oh, dear Lord. Shattered all their windows, <laughs> uh, forced neighborhood children to wear helmets when they played outside, they bought this dream home, and then uh, they bought it in the winter. <laughs> they moved in during golf season. They have collected 700 golf balls on their property. Then they probably turned a profit. You well, know, they they're still living. I, I don't know the golf. Can you go back to the full shot of that house, Dave? 
they have had, they've actually replaced the siding. Have they? Yeah. Well, the it's kind of a, it looks like they just built it and then never did anything. You know, there's no, there's no patio furniture or anything like that. Well, they can't sit outside. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, so five million. Yeah. Yep. Wow. The um, huh. house cost $700,000. Really? Yeah. On the golf course. Wow. How about that? I think it's just if you move in on a golf course, you have to understand that. That's part of it. We were at uh, Bay Hill in Miami, and, or not Miami, Orlando, and you know the pros are hitting golf balls into mm. into people's yards. Well, there's a couple of holes at Lakeland, or not Lakeland Hills, at um, Hankard Hills that are um, golf ball prone, and I know that because I've hit golf balls into those houses. Into those yards, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a par five that runs all the way to the east side of the property up there with about three or four houses. And uh, yeah, they get some sliced golf balls into their yard for sure. If you want to live on a golf course, you're going to have to deal with the golf balls. I, 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 I side with the country club. I do too. Yeah, yeah I'm with the club. Yep. Sounds mm -hmm. good. Oh, guess what? It's Thursday. Mm -hmm. That must mean it's time for Is It Real or Not? And it's up here to determine whether these new products sitting on shelves in supermarkets are real or not. The production booth was very excited about uh, today's rendition mm -hmm. and uh, someone tried, the hell is this? Is that a chick? McDonald's crispy chicken rugs, the rugs. Oh, McDonald's crispy chicken rugs? Mm -hmm. Real. They are real. Okay. Uh, what else is in the breakfast aisle? A new cereal by Hostess, Twinkies cereal. Twinkies cereal. Real? real? Not real. real. Not, Not real. real. Not real. That'd be good though. No. Um, David tried the uh, spicy flaming hot Mountain Dew and said it was good. Really? From last week. Yeah. Hard to believe. What else you got? Uh, this is um, cannabis infused seltzer, high seltzer from PBR uh, with marijuana, uh, THC. Uh, 10 milligrams of THC in PBR, real or not. Hmm. Can that be real? I don't know. I, I don't know if you can sell that. I'll say that's real. It is real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Why Available. would they go all the, to all the trouble? Available in select markets. Here's something great for Mother's Day. Ooh, Moms God. who love KFC. The KFC chicken and flowers bouquet. That smells good right now. I love <laughs> the way that looks. Oh mm. That's disgusting. Real or not? <laughs> real. It is real. <laughs> hey, Adam, after the show, will you run to our local and see if they'll do, sure. do one of those mm -hmm. for you? Tell them yeah. you saw it on real or not. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Entenmann's Corn Nut. Interesting. Coffee. And you know I love an Entenmann's more than the next. Um, that was a treat at our house growing up, if there oh, yeah. was an Entenmann's coffee cake. Well, when Jewel Osco was here, I they used were... to open it up and eat it out of a... Mm -hmm. Out of the box with a fork, not that kind, the uh, raspberry or blueberry kind with the glaze. Um, that is not real. Not real. No. Corn nuts are awful and they won't even help a coffee cake. Uh, next on Real or Not, we have oh, impossible patties made from beaver, uh, sustainably raised at Beaver Lake Farm. Interesting. I ha we actually have a pet beaver named Jimmy in our yard <laughs> and... Um, I wouldn't want to think that his family was being cooked, so sad. I'll say pass. 
not real. Okay, good. No. Good, good. Not available. <sighs> All right, so Tropicana combining two of America's favorite breakfast items, orange juice and cereal in one bowl. Why don't they just mix some toothpaste in that too? <laughs> uh, that is not real. Cereal made for OJ is real. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. It's designed to, who hasn't done this, accidentally poured orange juice on cereal? What was, this happened to me a lot of times, milk was gone. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried everything, nothing Water. works. Water, <laughs> I tried that once. You know when you really, you have a nice cereal, like a Fruity Pebbles or something when you're a kid? And there's no milk and mm -hmm. you try putting, I tried putting water on it once. Yeah. <laughs> well, you now can put orange juice, a special cereal made Ooh, for orange I don't juice. know if I should comment on this. Uh, here's one. Um, I guess gender equity has come to the uh, real. Cracker Jacks people. Cracker Jill. Real. It is real. Of course it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Of course it is. That's cool. Yeah. I would uh, I'd buy those. I know Cracker Jacks, they used to taste good. I mean, years and years ago. When you, you're a kid, they taste good. When you have them as an adult, you feel like yeah. you're eating something that isn't food. I think there's corn nuts in them, too. Yeah, there could be. <laughs> All right. Uh, from Hunts, we've got... Uh, Mamwich. Mamwich, another gender equity uh, product. That's real. I know Slut. that's real. It is not real. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you get Mamwich on the phone? Sloppy Joanne sauce. You know, Mickey and Joanne would buy this if it was real, but unfortunately, it's not. All right, next on uh, Real or Not, we have Heinz Dip and Crunch. Uh, it's a package that includes secret sauce and Potato crunchers. I believe that you did this yourself, and this is uh, fake. It is. It is real. Really? Yeah. I, I, I can't like believe this. I've done this. <laughs> this is perfect for you. Yeah. You, it's for you, when you have a burger. You open up the package. It's got two containers: one with a sauce, and then one with potato That's crunchers. Perfect. My daughter has adopted that family trait mm -hmm. too. She puts, yeah. she's got to have a little crunch, so. Mm -hmm. You actually put potato chips on sandwiches. I sure do. <clears throat> so, I, you know what, I think um, it is real. It, I know it is real, but I don't think it's going it's to, it's doomed to failure. We'll see. Okay, and I have one for you, okay? Yeah. Um, Diane at Blair's Car Care is retiring today after 44 years. Oh my god! Real or not? <laughs> Well, it's hard to believe she's been there so long, and she's like the glue that holds the place she together. Is. So from 2 to 5 at Blair's Car Care, if you've ever been to Blair's, stop by and uh, wish Diane a happy retirement. Mm -hmm. So, Don't try to ask for an oil change. No, not on her last day. Do not, do not ask for anything on her last day. Just present a nice gift. Let's get into some scores brought to you by our friends at Extreme Chrysler. Dodge Jeep Ram. They have a great new oil change building as well. Check them out. Uh, let's get to our scores. Baseball, the sun was out and uh, it still was cold. Addison 11, Vandercook Lake 0. Onstead took two from Columbia Central, 16 1 and 13 3. Grass Lake beat Michigan Center 4 1. Napoleon 13, Manchester 1, and Hanover beat East Jackson, while Jackson beat Ypsilanti. It looks like uh, most of those games, it was too cold to play two, so they just played one. Softball, Grass Lake won both over Michigan Center, 16-1 and 15-0, and Napoleon beat Manchester twice, 15-5, 10-3, and more Cascades, Hanover beat EJ, 10-4. Girls Soccer, Columbia Central 3, Bliss Field 2, and then a tie 
Michigan Center 3, Grass Lake 3, and uh, our own David Rice has a uh, story recap on our website about that tie game in the rugged Cascades. Boys golf, uh, not Jackson's best effort, but they finished third at a 188 team score. And uh, let's get to our on deck. What do we have going on tonight? Another busy one. Another busy one. Baseball, Lumen Christie, Michigan Center, and Springport will be at home. Uh, Western at Michigan Center will be a good local softball game to go to. And then a lot of soccer. Uh, Jackson and Jackson Christian and Lumen Christie and Western all on the road. Um, Springport is your only home soccer game. And then boys golf at Clark Lake today. And that's on deck. Today's morning show is brought to you by The Dirty Bird, chicken salads, flatbread, sandwiches, quesadillas, mac and cheese, appetizers, 40 brews on tap, including Grand River 313 Polish Lager and many Michigan beers like Stouts, Founders, Bells, and more. 140 West Michigan Avenue in downtown Jackson, just a couple doors down from us here. And of course, Tater Tots, you gotta get the Tater Tots. They're my favorite. Absolutely. Who's on today's show? Today we have uh, Dr. Matthew Badke, he'll be with us, and then we are also going to have a visit with Experience Jackson, and we'll take you out to JPS for more Believe the Hype, but Dr. Matthew Badke is next. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back. The second annual downtown Spring Fling is happening May 1st, and it's downtown from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. There'll be pop-up vendors, sip and shop, because who can shop without sipping? Food trucks and a ferry app challenge along uh, Michigan Ave, Jackson Street, and Mechanic Street. Join us downtown Sunday, May 1st, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. This sounds uh, far off, May 1st, but it's this Sunday. It, it does, oh my gosh. yeah. Wow. Next on the show, we welcome back the chair of the science department at Jackson College, Dr. Matthew Badke. Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. So the college, uh, in their next phase of return to normal, uh, no more uh, mandatory masks, and the uh, main entrance reopened, full capacity. Does it feel different now? It does. It was, it was interesting on Monday. I felt like for the first time I actually saw my students' faces in class. Yeah. It, was a weird, it was a weird feeling because, uh, you know, the entire semester so far we've all been wearing masks every day. So, um, yeah, it, it did feel a little bit different. A little bit more back to normal, uh, which is nice. Yeah. Was the did you immediately notice a difference in uh, participation with the masks off? Just curious. I mean, I I think that we will see that yeah. a little bit more over time. I didn't notice anything, but you know, they're busy getting ready for their finals. So, was your first impression you that you have a good looking class or not a good looking <laughs> class? <laughs> I think I better better avoid anything. Better walk. Better. Yeah, better not even okay. answer that. So today's the last day of uh, the semester at uh, Jackson College. How'd the year go for you? Uh, it was been a very busy one. Yeah. So I've been commuting the two different campuses four days a week. So um, as compared to last fall when I was 100% remote and working from home mostly, it's been quite a, quite a big change. So yeah. looking forward to not driving for a few days. 
On uh, Tuesday, Dr. Anthony Fauci declared uh, that the U.S. is out of the pandemic phase. I think and he yesterday, walked it back, didn't he? Did he walk it back? He walked it back. <laughs> he walked it back. Uh, and, you know, poor Dr. Fauci, I think he's, <laughs> he's had to, he's, you know, he, uh, he says something um, based on what is available to him at the time, and then more information comes in and he has to change, change his tune. Where, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think um, this is a, a, something that we all need to keep in mind is that, you know, people are trying to make the best predictions and things that they can, but this pandemic has shown us that a lot of times we like to think we can predict what is gonna happen, but that's not actually the case, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so many times people have said, well, this is for sure what's gonna happen now, and then that hasn't happened, right? Yeah. And, and so we need to stop thinking really that we can predict everything. I mean, there are some aspects of how this virus is spread and things that we, we really don't have a good handle on. And I think it's, it's okay to, to recognize that. And that, again, like you said, he's trying to make the best uh, thoughts and predictions that he can with what he has in front of him right then. But you know, that doesn't mean that that isn't gonna change mm -hmm. down the road. And you said, Poor doctor, he's rich. Well, he's, I mean, you know, I know what you meant. Yeah. He gets beat up. Well, you know, he, gets paid, he gets paid for it. Well, to your point, look what's going on in, in China. Um, right. Massive lockdowns in Shanghai. 25 million people uh, either have to stay in their homes or neighborhood. Beijing's right. under it. Um, what is going on in China? Right, so, so China is taking a very different approach than the rest of the world. In most other places, including the U.S., the approach is to recognize that there are going to be cases, it is going to be spread. And so, as, as everyone has seen, right, we encourage vaccination and we encourage mm -hmm. masking and those sorts of things. In China, they are uh, basically uh, working under a zero COVID policy, which is their goal is to basically have no cases. And so anytime there is a chance that there might be even a few cases starting to pop up, that's when you see they, the massive lockdowns that they put everybody under. It's because their approach is that we're gonna stop this before it even gets started. And we're gonna basically try to ensure that we have no cases throughout the entire country. And so that's why they'll go and they'll test 10 million people. Um, and I mean, just the scale of things is absolutely massive what they're doing but that's why they're doing it. It's, it's, the approach is very different. Mm -hmm. um, and it has some, some pluses and minuses. Um, they've had very few, almost basically no deaths from COVID. On the other hand, there are huge implications when you do things like shut down an entire city, right? And so we've seen the implications of uh, what can be affected from an economic standpoint, right? I mean with shortages for things for cars or whatever. Um, and then, you know, huge factories are shutting down. That's further, you know, changing the, the supply chain. And so, yeah, it, it's good in that the sense that you can keep cases down and keep deaths down. But um, I think a lot of people in the rest of the world have said, you know, that's maybe not the approach we're gonna take because of the other impacts that it has. Mm -hmm. The uh, Moderna uh, vaccine could s soon be available to uh, kids under uh, the age of six. That's a long time coming. Yeah, and then that was just this morning they announced uh, Moderna is, it sounds like uh, basically they are going to be taking all the data for kids under 18 
and they're hoping that the FDA in one fell swoop is going to approve all of the all the kids under 18 together. Mm -hmm. So different than what has happened with Pfizer, where they've sort of taken it one group at a time and said, okay, first we're going to take the oldest kids and we'll slowly step it down. It sounds like Moderna is basically going to say, here's all of our data for all the groups under 18, approve all of them at once. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's taking a little bit longer, it seems. It sounds like June would probably be the earliest. Um, so I think it's, it, we're getting there, uh, but you know, my son turns five in a couple weeks. So it's like, well, okay, finally, <laughs> finally we get this approved, uh, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, not going to matter for us. But, um, I think there are a lot of people with younger kids that, that would really like to have the opportunity. Uh, and I think that's really a place that, um, a lot of people feel like the FDA really probably should have been a little bit quicker in uh, approving these things. As a public health um, expert, uh, the, the, I guess the course that we've chosen as a country is to live with. Is this mm -hmm. the natural evolution of a pandemic and is this the right, the right strategy? I think it is. I think it is the, I mean, this is, I think I saw earlier this week, there was some data from the CDC that they're estimating about half of people in the U.S. have been infected, about 75% of kids probably. Mm -hmm. So again, it, it is sort of going, I think, again, for as much as uh, people have gotten things wrong, I think one thing that people have been accurate about is that we would see this sort of reduction in severity of disease as you get more and more people that have immunity built up from vaccination or previous infection. At this point, when you combine those two numbers together, you know, you're getting a very high percentage of the country that's either been infected with one or, or the other variants that's gone around or has been vaccinated or both in many cases. Mm -hmm. So I think you're getting enough people that as much as the virus is going to keep evolving and changing over time, uh, you're just not going to get the same sort of impacts that we saw in the first year. Right, so we, we have uh, an odd thing going on right now in that cases are going up, but yet deaths are going down. Um, and usually those things go together, right? We see cases go up and then hospitalizations creep up after that, and that's just not, not happening now. We're not seeing that. Um, people were predicting that that was what was gonna happen a couple months ago. I remember reading a lot about, well, look out, you know, this is in Europe, it's going to be mm -hmm. coming over here, we're going to see hospitalizations go back up, and it just hasn't happened. Which is great news. Which is good. Uh, the last two years, we said, oh, here comes summer, goodbye virus, uh, here's come summer. Yeah, I do think it, it has an impact. I mean, we've seen that. Um, I think it's going to be less of an impact, though, because, of course, we already are working under pretty low case numbers in general. Um, it's not like uh, last spring where we had that big surge, especially in Michigan mm -hmm. um, in April. And then that was very bizarre. I mean, that pretty much was huge in Michigan and a couple other states and then went away. It didn't really spread throughout the rest of the country, which was very strange. I don't think anybody has a good explanation for what yeah. was happening there, like, but. Yeah, well, like you said, it's, it's impossible to uh, predict. So, well, yeah. we'll let you uh, get going. I know you've got a lot of uh, exams and papers I've got to grade. A lot of exams to grade, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. Great to be here. Dr. Matthew Badke on the morning show. We'll be right back after this. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. 
If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back to the morning show on JTV. It's time for JPS Believe the Hype with Chris Gianetti. And this week we're featuring Megan and Aaron Hunt, JPS teachers. And Aaron is a parent. Take a look. Good morning. I'm Chris Gianetti, the Jackson Public Schools Assistant Superintendent of Communications. And I am here today with parents and teacher Aaron Hunt and Megan Hunt. Welcome. Thank you. So you guys are longtime uh, JPS people in that you graduated from Jackson Public, right? I trend. did, yeah. yes. I graduated from JPS, as did my mother. Wow. And my grandmother. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then, Aaron, you're from Indiana, is that right? Or you graduated in Indiana? Yep, yep. And then I uh, met my wife in college, and we moved here afterwards. Okay. And now you are a teacher here at JPS. Yep. I've been here for 16 years, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. And what do you teach? I teach English mainly to, to freshmen most of the time, and then some electives, and uh, also newspaper. I'm a newspaper advisor. And the eSports coach, too. Yes, yeah, yes. first time, first year, and first season this year, yeah. Yeah, I, this, uh, one of the other great things about JPS is all the different things that we offer, and we're one of the only schools in the area that does offer eSports, so um, we happen to be sitting in the eSports room now, too, yeah. so it's been quite an experience for us. So, Megan, you had this opportunity. You graduated. How was your experience at, in Jackson Public Schools? Um, my experience was great. I enjoyed my time at the high school in particular. Um, I made a lot of good friends, um, great relationships that I still have to this day. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about my experience. So then it comes time you have four children, correct? So we correct. have two at Sharp Park and two at the high school. Yeah. Yep. So it comes time to decide their educational journey. What made you guys decide on JPS? Well, because of Megan's great experience here, and uh, her, her parents were actually teachers in the district as well uh, when we started out, uh, we just knew this was, was the best place to take them. Um, the diversity and everything that they offered was just, uh, you know, a step above everybody else in the area. So we thought it was perfect for our, our kids. Yeah. And so you started, so so one is a senior, right? Mm -hmm. So about 18 yes. years ago, you made this decision. <laughs> so they started at Char Park as well? They did. Okay. Yeah. All of them. What are some of the things that you like about Char Park? Oh, I love Sharp Park. We've had such a good experience there. The teachers are phenomenal every single year. Um, we have such great um, relationships with parents and the kids and um, all of the, uh, you know, it used to be the, um, they had German classes there, so they just taught them a lot of different, um, like, cultural things about Germany, and now they're focusing on Spanish learning and things like that. and. It's just a great community over there. All of our kids had a great time at mm -hmm. Park. Did they? Yeah. So then you transitioned the older two, at least so far, through Parkside. How was mm -hmm. that transition? Were you worried about it, or did that go well for you? I was a little worried um, just because they went from a small elementary school to a very large middle school, but the transition was very good. Um, there were so many opportunities for sports at that point in the sixth grade. So um, my daughters did tennis and cross country and volleyball and tennis. It just had a lot of opportunities. It's really where they started getting involved. It was nice mm -hmm. to see them participate in those kinds of things at Parkside. And so what are they involved in at the high school then? So my oldest daughter, she's a soccer player. 
So um, she's played all four years, um, and she uh, was the uh, captain of the golf team too. Oh, okay. So yep. um, she had that was a great opportunity, which she probably would have never had if she didn't go here. And then um, my middle daughter also plays golf. So and then um, she'll probably be joining the tennis team too. So as a teacher here, what's it like having your kids in your the same school as you? It's been great being able to, to watch them, see what they like and dislike, and, and uh, having them in my own classroom has been a really great experience. What kind of classes are they taking uh, as far as academics at JPS? Yeah, um, uh, my, my freshman daughter, she's taking honors classes, um, um, and my Senior daughter has taken honors classes and AP classes. As parents, so you've made this decision to send four through the school district. Do you have any advice to parents who might be thinking about Jackson Public Schools but not sure if that's the choice? I would, I would say talk to other people um, that have their kids in the school. Find out, find out from people that have experienced it and not, not from uh, just talk that's out there and misconceptions. Um, find out from the source, you know. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it. Megan, what do you do for a living? Um, so I work at the YMCA. Okay. I'm the executive program director there. So there's a lot of partnerships in the community, too, that we do. And the, the Y is one of the, yeah. the big partnerships. So you must see a lot of JPS kids oh, come yeah. through there. And Every day. Yeah. We, um, we employ a lot of JPS students. We have programs that you know um, many of the elementary kids participate in. So we get to see, yeah, we get we feel like an extension sometimes, right. and it's great. So how did you get interested in becoming the eSports coach? Like how did, I mean, that couldn't have been on your plate of things to do, except that maybe you are right. a gamer, I don't know. Oh, I'm definitely a gamer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 is this a problem? It's been a problem many times, but, um, yeah. but um, I had actually students approach me that wanted to start the eSports, uh, they wanted it to just be a club. and. Uh, so I, because they knew I was a gamer, because I talk about it in class, and uh, so I was, I was interested, in, and they really are the ones that got it all started. Um, I just kind of went along for the ride, and uh, um, I was lucky enough to be able to um, kind of be in charge of getting all the equipment together and figuring out what we needed, and and um, I don't know, I was, I, I was nothing I expected, but I've really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I mean, there's quite an investment in equipment oh, yeah. and time, and you know, I don't think people realize the resources that go into an esports. Um, and it, and and what's interesting to me too is, you know, there's just such this, you know, obviously uh, stigmatism of being a gamer, right? And you know that that all you do. But I have watched um, a lot of it. We went out to JC before we yeah. built this and yeah. really saw the opportunities past mm -hmm. high school for kids to even get you know, scholarships to go play at different schools and things like that. Yeah, there are several colleges right now that offer eSports scholarships, yeah. and uh, I'm sure more will be added along the way. Um, even if they don't offer scholarships, there are, like, a lot of colleges have eSports um, teams and clubs, so a lot of opportunity, surprisingly. There yeah. is. It's amazing how um, it has just evolved into this really uh, great sport, but also an interest in the, in people understanding, you know, that there is something there that's sort of fun right. for kids. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And we're lucky here because a lot of the schools that we play in our, in our league, the students will just leave school, go home, and that's where they have to play their games because they don't have an esports uh, room like we do. So we're lucky that we have a, a place where they can come and not worry about you know, slow internet and, 
and um, being able to find a safe place or a quiet place to play, it's, it's been really nice for that reason. Any other pieces of advice for our families or any community members who are interested in getting involved or any other thoughts about the why and the partnership with Jackson Public Schools? Um, I would just say, um, you know, take a, take a chance and step into something and try something or try to get your kiddos connected because you won't regret it. And all it takes is a friendship or a, a connection to really change a whole experience. So, How about um, you? Yeah, I would say experience it for yourself. Go check it out. Don't, don't go based on somebody's word. Don't go based on what you've supposedly heard. Check it out yourself. Talk to people that have experienced it. And we offer a lot of opportunities for touring here, and we have that brand new beautiful pool facility like yes. no other. So, um, and all the schools are renovated. I did want to mention that Sharp Park is, although last on the list of the um, projects to be done, that's about to get started as well. Oh. So there'll be some major changes over there, including an extended playground oh, and a, a whole renovation to the school. So we're pretty excited about yeah. that, and I can't wait to see the changes that get done there too. So, cool. well, we thank you for your service to Jackson Public School, your partnership with us through your work and That's through right. bringing your kids here. So um, I think all we have to say is uh, go Vikings. That's right. Go Vikings. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Welcome back. Today's show is brought to you by Seasons Car Wash, and it is a car wash kind of day out today. Their drive-thru is open until 6 p.m. today. Family-owned business since 1996. Seasons Car Wash on Parnell. Great. I want to say hi to Cheryl from West Point who tunes in every day. Also my neighbor. Thanks so much. Uh, next time I'm in, I'll have the cheeseburger basket. It's time for this week's uh, Experience Jackson visit as Rachel Buchanan catches up with the organizers of the Southside Reunion. visit with Experience Jackson. I'm Rachel Buchanan with Experience Jackson today and some of my friends here with the Southside Summerfest series. Uh, today uh, we're actually at the kickoff event for this year and uh, that leads into multiple events throughout the year but before we talk about some of the things going on uh, we've got Hakeem Crampton uh, one of the main organizers of this event and uh, there's quite a history behind the Southside Summerfest. I know you've shared this with me before. We'd yeah. love to help people understand Absolutely. what this is about. Absolutely, thank you for coming here, yes. So we're right here in, at King Center, of course, where this kind of really started at with the Fall Festival back in 2008. Uh, we had opportunity to invite community resources and organizations into our community who really service us, but really our community don't have access to them. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring those organizations right here to the heart of our community where we lack the resources at. And so unfortunately, we weren't able to kind of pick that back up over the years, and then suddenly we were, we were fortunate to have an opportunity to kick off a mural, the Southside mural on the MLK Quality Trail. 
And then to commemorate that, we decided, hey, we need to do a festival to commemorate that. So that started in 2018 or 19, um, and then it's carried on. And year after year, we added more, added more features to it, and to we have this full year's um, you know, calendar of events to really service our community, provide a great opportunity for small businesses and vendors to actually engage and network with the community. So it's a really phenomenal opportunity. Like I said, it goes back to 2008, really, and it was a 10-year gap or so before we did it again. So here we are, we're back. Well, and I love too, it's not just that this event happens, you know, five or six times during the year. Every event seems to kind of have its own personality and its own purpose too. Yes, yes, yes. This one is focused on authors and writers and creative expressionists, right? It's focused on highlighting them because we have a lot of artists, writers that don't necessarily get the opportunity and time to really let our community know that they exist and they're doing great work for others. And so this is a time for them to highlight and focus on writers. And next month will be the Black Arts Festival in May, in which we'll be focused on black artists, uh, painters and designers, uh, those that you know have those creative designs about them and have businesses. We want to focus on them. Um, the following month after that, we're doing, what is our, our schedules right here? We have the Freedom Fest. We normally do um, Juneteenth, and this is the same thing. It'll be a Juneteenth, but it'll be a Freedom Festival. Um, the African Americans, we know our history in this country, you know, and it's time for us to really celebrate our freedom um, and be able to express that. And then after, after May, or after June, we have the Heal the Hood Peace Fest, uh, which is important to celebrate peace that we seek in our community, right there with the Black Lives Matter painting is that on the ground because it really celebrates the fact that we need to value our lives more. And so the Heal the Hood Peace Fest is designed to really focus on the healing that we need and the restoration of our community. Then the Black Business Expo is in August, focused on all the black business vendors in this community so we can really showcase this and highlight them and give them a chance to really build their businesses in our community. And then lastly, we're right back here for Kwanzaa to have a dinner with the community to celebrate culture. Well, that is so cool. And um, another one of the organizers with us today, uh, Selena Taylor. Now, people around Jackson know you, know you specifically with Partial to Girls, but also connected with this event. Um, what are you excited about with this year's festivities? So I'm super excited about how Hakeem has just taken the Summerfest and expanded it into a whole nother level for our community. When I say a whole nother level, each year we grow with local vendors from our community that sell their own products, like Hakeem said, behind the scenes, very creative, coming out every year with new businesses and products, and we're just here to showcase them. He pretty much covered everything about what we do behind the scenes in the Summerfest and where we're going with it. Hakeem did a really good job really, really expressing and explaining what we're about with our Summerfest series. I'm super proud and happy to get them going. Awesome. And I know I saw you a little bit earlier today. You were in a room with a lot of kids. There's a lot of energy going on <laughs> there. Tell me about that. So yeah. that is our Black Exposure Reading Program where Maisha Jones is the instructor of that. And that is where I'll have you ask her all of those details because all I really do is put the program together and say, here, do it. <laughs> well, awesome. Now, Maisha, I know that you have been like a master in helping lead a conversation, opening doors to you know people asking questions, to helping... Yeah, get insight into the black community, and you're doing amazing at that. I really appreciate that. Personally, I gained a lot from that. Um, tell me about what you're doing with the kids. I guess yes. I guess you're the one. Absolutely. <laughs> so the black exposure reading program is very important. So first, I want to acknowledge that it's not just for kids of color. Mm -hmm. It's for all kids because our black, our Hispanic, our white kids, they need to see representation of people that look like them and that don't look like them in books. So our black children, our white children, 
children. They want to see black authors and black characters, right? There's a perception that, um, you know, sometimes people have that black is bad, right? And we want to really change that perspective, and it starts with our youth. And that's why we host all of these events, even on the south side of Jackson, because the south side of Jackson has been, um, you know, sometimes in the past viewed as a negative community, the negative side of town. But we bring a positive event where we can be inclusive, right? We can bring community together on a different part of town where we can celebrate one another, celebrate black culture, black business as a community, not just for black people, but for the entire community. So really all of this work is about inclusion. How do we continue to bring our communities together in a positive light? Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. We're excited. I mean, if you look around, this particular event is a great representation of the kind of things I believe we'll see you know, throughout the series. There are um, organizations, of course, at this one, authors and books, uh, but with some of the other things, uh, just a great variety of, you know, services. You know, there's been connections to, like, registering to vote here and making voting easier. I thought that was a really cool thing to have here. Some health department stuff, as well as, you know, some of the books and different things that you guys are focusing on. I've seen some of the videos. I'm looking forward to being there in person, you know, germ-free next year uh, for some of the other events, too. So big time. Thank you uh, for what you guys are doing. And thank you. This is really impactful. We're excited to, you know, welcome people in both from our Jackson community and beyond as well with Experience Jackson. So anything else you guys would want to add before we go today? Oh, we're just excited and thankful to our uh, to our sponsors for, you know, helping us bring this to our community. You know, we have Nation Outside, um, Community Action Agency, Center for Family Health, uh, Experience Jackson, you know, so we're just excited to have community support in, our, in, in, in this event for us. And it's not too late to sponsor. So if you are interested in sponsoring a Southside Summerfest series, we would love to have you on board as a partner and to get amazing recognition. We need more sponsors. So if your organization, your business wants to jump on board, we would love to have you. If you're looking for information on any of the Southside Summerfest events, we've also posted those on our Experience Jackson calendar. I know there's a there's a Facebook group or something that people can also, would you? Yeah, Southside Festival Series on Facebook, and they can just tap right on there and uh, get plugged into all our events. And we have a website. Yeah, we have a website, Southside Summerfest at Wixsite.com, and it's Summerfest with an S and not a T, right? Southside Summerfest with an S and not a T uh, at Wixsite.com. And so they can find all of our events and activities uh, for this year. Perfect. Well, that's it. It's been another visit with Experience Jackson at the kickoff of this year's festival event. Thank you for listening to this JTV podcast. If your company or organization would like to advertise on a future podcast episode, please contact Molly McClure at viewermail at jtv.tv. JTV, news that brings Jackson together. Busy weekend in Jackson. Jackson Symphony Orchestra has three concerts. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Thursday afternoon at 4.30 at the King Center, Jackson native and composer Marcus Norris will have a recording session you can come watch for free today. Should be fun, and again, Sunday is the Spring Fling downtown, 11 to 1 o'clock, so a lot to do. Ferry Festival, Saturday yep. and Sunday, and the uh, next ORS Race Series run, the FSCA 5K, and you'll be there.
I will be there, yeah. And while you're downtown, buy a uh, gift for mom for Mother's Day next mm -hmm. Sunday be, uh, before you uh, wait till the last minute. So plenty of great local places to uh, buy Mother's Day gifts from. So, hey, that's all for today. Join us Monday. Jennifer will be back, and we'll have Megan McCormick, Andrew Volt from Agma Brewing, and Laura Davenport later today on Bart Show. Corey Mays, Jennifer Scanlon, Sally Critchbaum, Bart's visit to Northwest with muralist Jeremiah Britton, and David DeBaker. All that coming up this afternoon.